Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti, and this is episode 135 of Yoga Land. Welcome to 2019. How are you doing? How are you feeling? How is your practice feeling? How's your bod feeling? How's your mind feeling? I am feeling fantastic and I'm not exaggerating because I'm getting over a little cold and I'm I'm past the sort of painful point of the cold even though I don't sound great but I am at that point where I feel that like spring blooming again inside of me where I feel alive and happy and energetic and able to do all of the things I love to do. So that's how I'm feeling. My bod is feeling a little that's how my mind's feeling. My body's feeling a little bit a little weak from just not being able to do all of the things for the past few weeks. And happy to be back podcasting with you for you. Two weeks off for the first time in two and a half years felt amazing. <laughs> so I feel really refreshed and ready to, to get going again. And Jason and I, Jason's my guest today, and he has been working on this online course for Glow that is focused on teaching beginners. So he's got beginners on the brain for that reason. And then also, as he talks about in this podcast, January is a year where yoga teachers and fitness teachers get a huge influx of students, a lot of whom are beginners. So we thought it would be great to focus the next few episodes on how to teach beginners, how to welcome beginners, and then also, if you are starting again, how to start again and be a beginner again. So we thought we were going to cover a lot more than we did in this one particular episode, but we just got really deep into the first part of the topic. So we'll be just we'll be rolling out a series. We'll be doing more in the next few weeks, and um, we're excited for you to join us. And I just wish you a wonderful, fresh start wherever you are. Enjoy the interview. Hi, Jason. Hey, Andrea. This seems to be our 2019 situation setup, yeah. Yeah. which is that we're going to start putting these up as video as well yep. on YouTube yep. for those who... I don't like me from the side angle. I don't like me from the side angle I feel either. like I look like my head looks bigger and everything else looks skinnier. Aw. <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah. Anyway, so anyways... So in the fee in the in the comments section, just say no. That's not true. That's your dysmorphia. <laughs> I'm not even going to talk about my yeah. Oh no! I know, I know! I know! I know! Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm just joking. I'm Jk, not, Jk, Jk, Jk. Though not really. <laughs> well, welcome to the new year. It's the new year. It's exciting. Definitely. Um, especially since. We all just went through like a massive cold cycle in our family. Oh and I my God. think we're coming out of it. Knock oh on wood. Oh God. Knock on wood. It was a rough month for us. Yeah, it really yeah. was. Yeah. yeah. It was wonderful. And yeah. we, you know, hashtag blessed. But well, I feel really fortunate that it came during kind of an interlude of work. Yeah. And it also came during a period of time where I really didn't need to get that much stuff done. You know, like January and February and March for me are already. I mean, the whole year is already set up, but like January through April already kind of marketed, blah, 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 blah. So I was able to uh, to be sick and not to be too crazy that I was falling behind on things. Yeah. And you conveniently got through your whole Hong Kong training and totally. then got sick like yes. the last day. So. The first module. There's still two, two modules left. Yes. There yeah. are since two modules left. When is yep. the next one? 
March. Okay. And then July. July. Okay. Great. Or June. And is there still June. space? June, June, June. There's a couple spots. Okay. Yeah. The first module ended up being full and there's like two or three spots left in the other two modules. Great. Yeah. And you've done something really exciting. I mean, we've talked about it pretty extensively, mm-hmm. but you've done something really exciting, which is you have launched your first online course. I have. Yeah. It is exciting. Totally. I've been wanting to do it for a really long time. I mean, literally since before I started the podcast. Yeah. And because I, I like online learning. I mean, I've been doing it for a long time. I think What's it's really the world we're in? convenient. Yeah. yeah. And it's also can be very creative and just honestly a way to connect with new people. Yeah. And so I've been wanting to do it for a long time. I'm such a perfectionist. It took me a really long time to sort of get up the gumption to do it. Yeah. And then I felt like, okay, new year, good time for everybody to think about yeah. their practice. And for me, you know, I, I think just watching you go through it, I feel like you really struggled to fully have the confidence to execute your own content Mm -hmm. in part because you've been executing other people's content for so long. Yeah. Right. You had to kind of come out from behind the editorial screen. Hiding place. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But, But you're the perfect person to do it because you think about things in such an editorial way. Right. You know, and you've really helped me over the years working, working in print with you. And then also with Yoga Glow, developing programs and courses, that process has really helped me become a better day-to-day yoga teacher. Yeah. Because I think about how all of the puzzle pieces fit together. I think in a much bigger calendar. I think in a much bigger picture term. Mm -hmm. And so any given class that I teach, I can think about it as part of a whole Mm -hmm. instead of this random sort of 90-minute increment of time. Yeah. So I know how much I've learned about editorializing or developing editorial content from you over the years. So I I knew that you had it in you. You just had to make it happen and sort of get through the the internal stuff. I think to just like give a shout out to everyone listening. I mean, it's really been doing the podcast and getting feedback from people that that you resonate with me and what I have to offer that gave me the confidence to do it. And, you know, this program, and I, we actually haven't said what it's called for those who don't know, it's called um, Start Your Year with Self-Care. And it's a three-week meditation and self-inquiry program. Super doable. It's not like meditate for an hour every day. It's three 10-minute meditations per week and one five-minute per week and then other self-inquiry exercises. But I really also, I'm such an editorial perfectionist. Like I really wanted it to be something that I could guide people through and that there would be different pieces and components. And I do think, I mean, I I will just like toot my own word for a second and say, as I'm doing it, I realize like, I love communications. I mean, it's just my, I've just always loved it. And so I'm hoping, I I think everyone will have a really great experience and I'm excited about it. And you can still sign up for it. It starts next Monday, January 14th. And if you go to... But is there open enrollment? Like if I decide I want to do it on January 29th, can I still do it? You can. You can. There is going to be a private Facebook group. So it's nice to start all together for this first round is kind of my thinking. Because I'm going to be in there and just like posting for people. But you can certainly do it at your own time frame. If you go to jasonyoga.com slash sit with us. You can sign up to be on the newsletter and I'll send you registration. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Yes. Um, Well, it's the new year. And I mean, I don't want to be to keep talking about our programs. 
I mainly want to talk about teaching beginners mm-hmm. and coming back and, and sort of beginning your program again, yeah. your practice again, and all the steps that that involves. But I'm also releasing a new online training, which is really extensive, and it's all on teaching beginners. Mm-hmm. And I have spent years compiling experience and data and best practices for this program that I'm releasing. And in doing so, I realized there's so much stuff for us to talk about in the podcast. So much. So we're going to do a series on beginning again and on teaching new students Mm -hmm. and on helping new students really understand and thrive in the yoga practice in like a clear, consistent and effective way. Yes. You know, we'll, we'll talk more about that specific program, but really what I want to focus on today is the most effective principles for teaching beginners mm-hmm. and therefore the most effective principles for being a beginner. Yeah. Right. It's something that we, because not everyone that listens to this podcast is a teacher, but everyone that listens to this podcast is either a yoga practitioner or well enough interested in, or just thinks I'm hilarious. not the case but they suffer through my hilarity or my false fake attempts or the real attempts um but the point that i want to get at is everyone all of us as yoga teachers should feel incredibly honored and we should also invest a lot of time in trying to understand how to work with new students especially this time of year yeah Right this time of year, and it's the reason I'm releasing this training program on on Glow, which is there are so many new students this time of year. And I'll just say as a teacher, my drop-in classes have been popular for a long time, okay? But I have not been around much at all. And my, especially my Wednesday night classes have been really soft because I'm never around. Mm -hmm. I taught last week which was, I taught Wednesday the 2nd. January 2nd, Okay. Yeah. There were 90 people in class. There's usually like 50 people in class. There were nine, 90, there were 90 wow. people in class. And I will just tell you, I did not recognize the vast majority of them. Amazing. Right? So even in this city that's very dense with yoga practitioners, there's still the January, February influx. Sure. Right? And so as yoga teachers, it's really this perfect time to think about how to work with new students Mm -hmm. and to think about how to work with students who are new again. Mm -hmm. And then for there's so many of us who this time of year, we start to circle back and the things that we've gotten away from, some of the self-care and the yoga and the practices that we've got away from, we reestablish it, Mm -hmm. right? So it's just such a good time to talk about beginnings, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? So there's a couple of things that I know that I want us to really focus on and cover, which are the most important concepts or principles for teaching asana effectively to new students. Yeah. I also want to talk about the most important concepts or principles to incorporating philosophy and teaching philosophy to new students. Right. And I also, this is such a huge thing, I want to talk about what I think are best practices for keeping new students motivated, right? Because that this is a huge, we don't want a ton of people to come in January and then to be completely off the wagon in February. Like that, to some degree, that's going to happen. But I think that 
studios and teachers need to think a lot more about student retention and planning for student retention than we actually do. And I have really good strategies in my course, but I also have really good strategies that we're just going to go over today. Can we add one thing to this conversation? It's your podcast. And that is, and it's actually making me realize I should do a separate podcast with someone who talks about inclusivity in terms of race. I'm just thinking about new people coming in and as a teacher, how you make sure people feel welcome. I know it sounds so basic. No, 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 no. no. That's really important. That's a huge component. I think that's regardless of demographics, right? So I think the the conversation of inclusivity around race, class, culture, gender, orientation, body type. type, I think that's a really important conversation. Yeah. But I think that deserves its own yes I will that do, deserves its own process I'm and i think right here right now i will do a podcast about yeah that. and i i don't want to say i'm not the person for that but uh it'd be better to work with yeah. a specialist who who has more evolved thinking right not that i have unevolved no no thinking, I but just, you know what I mean. i'm just saying like so for this conversation let's just talk about it on a really basic totally. level and then i can go that's going to be under the keeping people motivated okay okay so here's what i think all of us teachers need to think about to start this conversation about teaching beginners and working with beginners in all sorts of different contexts and working with people who are beginning again which is what we want to understand is we want to put ourselves in the sh- in the, the the irony of saying shoes, right? <laughs> in, the, in the yoga in the, toe socks. On the yoga toe not socks. A, not an ad. Yeah. Not an ad. We want to try to remember what it feels like to be new to something. Sure. Right. So I'm wondering if I can ask you if you remember what it felt like when you first started yoga. Like what? What were? What? I kind of have a cute story. Okay. I hope I won't sidetrack us too much. Okay. But it was um, my very, very, very first ever yoga class was at the Mindful Body. And it was Michael Cooper, Cooper, who has since passed, who we love so much. Rest in peace, Michael Cooper. Michael was so instrumental in my development and your development and countless other yoga teachers in the Bay Area. Amazing person. Yeah. But here's the thing. Michael was a wacky dude. You did? Yeah. Michael was a wacky dude. For sure. And Michael was a gymnast before he was a yoga teacher. So the so Michael was in a mood when I went to his very first class. Sarah, my f- college friend, took me to my first yoga class. Sarah, who okay. like not anyway, yeah, she doesn't yeah. do yoga anymore. She th- told me you're gonna love it. It's so up your alley. It's gonna be the best thing ever. When we went in, and Michael Cooper had us do like somersaults uh-huh. class. We did somersaults in his class all the time. Really? Yes. So I went to many classes after that. Oh and yeah, yeah. He yeah. never did that again. Okay. So I thought it was the weirdest i mean i thought it was even did he weirder. bring out the gymnastics pads yes yes yeah, yeah yeah anyway so i thought my first yoga yeah. class was exactly the opposite of what i expected it to be and then i think my second yoga class i went to was with yolanda bain yeah but how did you feel after his class no 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 oh. walking into the room Oh, see, here's an interesting thing. I felt fine. Oh, you did? I hear often this issue of people feeling uncomfortable, awkward. I walked into the Mindful Body, which, by the way, it's still here in San Francisco. It's a wonderful studio. And I loved the smell. It smelled like lavender. Uh I loved how quiet it was. I loved just the openness of the studio. I was a dancer, so I didn't feel like... Where do I go? What do I do? I just went and sat in the corner on my mat. I, it, yeah. To me, it wasn't 
a very, people talk about it being intimidating. It's taken me years to understand that because it just, that wasn't my personal that was, experience. That was more of a comfortable world for you. Yeah. And I just, yeah. it was such a soothing place. And I was so anxious yeah. at that point in my life that I really welcomed, a, a, it felt like a sacred space. And yeah, I needed that's that. that's great. I needed that. When I teach my advanced trainings, we always do a segment on beginners, right? And this is the conversation we start with is I, I we kind of say, you know, I just, I want you to either tell those stories, like what was it like that when you started, or at very least, give me a couple descriptive words that tell me how you feel, how you felt. And I would say it's about 75% uncomfortable, 25% comfortable. Okay. Right? So there are many people that start their yoga practice or start something new that feel totally comfortable mm -hmm. at ease. Mm -hmm. And the majority of people don't, mm -hmm. right? Now, underneath the discomfort, and I'll tell you how I felt, but underneath the discomfort, I think is this profound thing, which is one way or another, when you walk into a yoga room, whether it's your first time or your thousandth time, you are following your impulse to be well. Right. Right. And so there is some, there is some optimism, right? Even if on the surface, right? Like for me, I know that, that underneath my personality, like my personality is, can be very, I like to think that I've grown from being a cynic to being a skeptic, mm -hmm. right? But I'm not always a glass glasses half full kind of guy. That's not my personality, right? But underneath all of that personality layer, I'm actually pretty optimistic about things, yeah. right? And so I remember when I first started doing yoga, underneath it feeling like, oh, this might be interesting. This might be something that's going to improve the quality of my life. This is, it'd be cool to be able to touch my toes. But on the surface, I felt really intimidated. Right. And, and the, the funny thing is like, you know, I had an athletic background, so I did physically intense things, but going to a different physical environment that I'll just say it didn't feel nearly as overtly masculine. Right. Like I walked into a room that was mostly full of women. Right. To do a physical thing. Yeah. And, f and f like for a guy, that's, no, that's just understandably the, for a guy, or at least for this guy, that was a weird thing. Mm -hmm. And it's also kind of a weird thing because the majority of women seem on the surface to be much more able than you are, mm -hmm. the man in mm -hmm. the room. Mm -hmm. And I've talked to countless guys about this, right? Which is, it's often for men, again, this is all on the outside because yoga on the inside is the level playing field. What you experience and what I experience are the same thing when mm -hmm. we practice, right? But on the outside, it doesn't look like a level playing field. Right. Right? Sure. I mean, if you look at you in a forward bend and me in a forward bend, it looks very clearly like you're getting more benefit and you're better than mm -hmm. I am. Mm -hmm. Right? But so the point is, is like, I think for a lot of men specifically, it's a, it's a role reversal intimidation. Sure. Because you're doing this physical thing, especially if you've been a guy that does other physical things, where you feel the discomfort and being ill at ease by... By not being in the role that you are accustomed to being in, in a social environment. Yeah. You know? Sure. So I remember how intimidated I felt. And I also felt like everyone else knew something I didn't know. Right? I always felt like, oh, everyone knows each other. 
and they know this, they know, they already know how to do yoga Mm -hmm. as if yoga is this like flat science Mm -hmm. that you learn it on day four and then you just do it. You're either, you either know it. You either know it or you're on on the inside or you're on the outside. Yeah. Yeah. So I felt like I was on the outside and that everyone else was on the inside, right? In retrospect, this is a very interesting insight into my psyche, right? And, and kind of everyone else's psyche. But I think this is the first thing to remember, which is the majority of your students are, have, are, they're following their impulse to be well, but they're in a social environment that might be difficult and complicated for sure. them. Mm-hmm. And probably the most important thing for a yoga teacher working with beginners, and you already brought it up, is to be nice to people. Yeah. I mean, you. this is like, it's so ridiculous. And it's a good thing for people who are just, who are not teachers, who are listening to be welcoming yes. to other people joining totally, your class. Totally. And this is something like, I'm not going to say that I don't do a good job of, but it's something that I aspire to do a better job of, mm-hmm. right? Which is, I don't, because I am introverted, I have an easy time teaching, but I don't actually have an easy time at the very beginning of class before classes started mm-hmm. when everyone's assembling into the room. Yeah. Right? It, that to me is kind of a socially awkward time. So like what I aspire to do, like I always try to have a smile and be nice and like have a, a presence that feels warm, you know, and we've all been in experiences where that's not the case, mm-hmm. right? But what I aspire to be better at is just literally introducing myself to people, you know, be like, hey, my name is Jason. Welcome. Thanks for coming to class, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think that I used to be much better at that when I had smaller classes with bigger classes. It's harder to do, Mm -hmm. but it's such a key element because when as the teacher, you take charge of being a good host, it's puts people at ease. And I think it also puts you in the environment of not just being the authority, but being the like host. Yeah. The host, the facilitator, the person that's, that's trying to help people feel welcome. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. I'll say one more thing, which I saw, and I tell students this all the time, not public students, but training students, which is I went to a yoga studio to have a meeting with a manager years ago. And I'll say his name because I think he did such a good job. And I don't know him that well. I don't even know if he teaches in San Francisco anymore, but Pete Chandonet. Have you ever taken class with Pete? I haven't, but I remember him. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So I was at Yoga Works. This was a very long time ago. And I was waiting for the manager to arrive. And I don't know if Pete did this all the time, but he did something that I really, really noticed, which was at the, because I was in the hallway. And at the end of class, he went to the doorway and as everyone was leaving, he like shook all their hands and said, thanks. He's like, oh, thanks. What was your name again? Oh, thanks for being here. Oh, thanks, Sarah. Good seeing you. And so it wasn't this thing where the teacher, which I usually do, which is to stay up at the front of the room. And then if someone wants to come talk to me, they come talk to me. Right. He must have said, all right, thanks. And then went to the door. And he like said goodbye to people as they left. Yeah. And for me, I just thought about that. And I thought like, if I was in that class, 
feeling like I usually felt, and I know most beginners feel because I ask people all the time, I would have felt so much more comfortable coming back to that class mm -hmm, mm -hmm. than finding some other class. Obviously, the class has to be good. It has to be a good fit and the timing has to work. There's countless other variables. But as yoga teachers, especially when working with beginners, to extend that slightly additional step and just be as welcoming as our personality can let us be, mm -hmm. it's an enormous element. We can't underestimate the value of personal connection. And uh, yeah. It's, it's huge, yeah. right? So do you want to get on and talk a little bit about asana concepts? Yes, let's do that. So let me make this clear, which is these aren't the asana concepts to teach. These are, these are the best practices or the best principles for teaching asana mm -hmm. to newer students. To keep in mind as you're teaching. Yeah. Now, arguably, this isn't just for beginners. This is for every level. But I think we need to start here and and start to and start to build from the ground up, right? The first principle that I think of when I think about kind of the most effective way to be teaching beginners is to be consistent and repetitive without completely driving people insane. Mm -hmm. And that's a fine line. Yeah. Okay. But I think we have these two models in the, the current yoga world, both of which I find myself trying to find some middle ground on. We have the one model of the set series, the set sequence. Mm -hmm. So if I was a new student to Ashtanga yoga, or if I was a new student to Bikram yoga, or if I was a new student to several other different Hatha yoga modalities, I would learn relatively quickly that class was going to follow the same sequence in the same arc. Right. Now, there's a lot of upsides to that. There's some downsides to that, possibly. But the upsides, especially if I want to learn something, well, how do I learn that thing? I learn that thing through consistent repetition over time. Mm -hmm. And if I'm uncomfortable and if I'm in a social environment where I kind of am fearful of standing out, knowing the sequence... And, and getting comfortable with the sequence is a huge step, right? Yeah. That's one model. The other model seems to be the, oh my God, if I teach the same class or the same flow two days in a row, I'm going to bore all my students to death, mm -hmm. okay? Which is a an extremely flawed model, okay? So the one model is it's the same thing every time. The other model is it's never the same thing ever. Mm -hmm. So for me, what I think we need to do is as yoga teachers, and this isn't to say anything negative about Ashtanga or the other styles that have set sequences, right? But they, but that doesn't completely work for my personality. So I think what we need to do as teachers is consider some sort of middle ground where we think, okay, I, I use the 80-20 or the 70-30 principle, 
which is about 80% of beginners classes are the same and about 20% is different or about 70% of every beginner's class is the same and about 30% is the different is different. So we have an extreme amount of consistency with a little bit of changing of variables or novelty, right? Think about if you were trying to teach an instrument and every time you went to class, you played a totally different song. Are you ever going to learn that instrument? Well, no, no. Right. And so I think that this is the first thing, especially when working with beginners is to not be fearful of consistency and not to be afraid of repetition, but to figure out what sequence, what arc, what variables are the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And then regularly teach those things while changing just small little increments here and there. So you've got the sort of, you're sort of talking about the superstructure of the class. Um, What about the actual instructing of the poses? I think the instructing of the poses depends. For more experienced level students, I try to really limit the instructions to the focal point and the sequence of the month. So if... For more advanced students, let's say, I'm just going to say something like, imagine that for a month in my classes, I'm going to work on handstand in my experience level classes. I'm I'm going to probably one week, I'm going to focus a lot on teaching hands. Another week, I'm going to focus a lot on teaching shoulders. Another week, I'm going to focus a lot on teaching core. And then the, and then the final week, I'm going to bring it all together. Hands, shoulders, core gaze drishti right so for more high level students that's what i'm going to do i'm not going to tell them like the most basic things about every single pose okay i'm going to teach them much more relevant higher level details that are that are going into what we're developing in that focus period Mm -hmm. but for new students you can't when you're working with beginners yeah you have to get people into the pose. You have to give them like, you have to give them kind of the most basic instructions for each pose just to get them in the ballpark. Yeah. Right. So when you taught your class last night, yeah. when you have a class that suddenly is double the size yeah. like you did, do you check in and figure out, ask people directly if they've ever done yoga before? No, okay. I don't. Okay. But I always do a couple of things, which is I say, okay, you guys, Welcome to class, blah, blah, blah. Those of you that come to class regularly, you already know what I'm going to tell you. Those of you that are new to my class or new to yoga in general, let me give you a couple of thoughts. First, yoga can be difficult, but it shouldn't hurt. Mm-hmm. So if anything we do is problematic for you, step back, take note, take rest, take child's pose, okay? Don't push hard through anything. And if after class you have any questions about anything, take a mental note and come up to me after class. Mm-hmm. Second thing is, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what we're focusing on today and this month. And then I will tell them we're focusing on strength and range of motion for the shoulder joint, strength and range of motion for the hip joint. Those are going to be our focal points. Boom. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm always go- doing that sort of broader, hey, take care of yourself step back, don't push anything. And if you have questions, 
talk to me after class mm -hmm. because I want to be able to give people that that specific detail. Yeah. Right. I don't ask if anyone's new in part because I knew how much for me I did not want attention called to myself. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, I'm going to figure it out pretty soon. Okay. Okay. I'm going to figure out pretty, I'm going to figure out within the first two minutes who is brand new and never done anything. Okay. Yeah. And, and then all I'm going to do, and then I'm mostly going to ignore that person because again, because it, yeah, not it's, wanting the attention. Yeah. And the thing is, is like, it just takes time to learn something. Mm -hmm. So you have to feel as a student, as a new student, you have to feel supported and guided, but you also have to feel like not hounded. Yeah. You know, so I'm going to, I'm going to ignore that person, but I'm going to keep my eyes out to see if they're doing anything that is immediately dangerous. I'm going to know in the first two or three minutes of class, all right, this person, this person, this person, almost all of which are boyfriends who've been finally dragged to class, <laughs> right? <laughs> like I need to keep my eye out on just their absolute basics. Okay. And that's it. Yeah. Right. But this perfectly goes into the next thing in terms of the next principle for working with beginners, which is to tell them their learning objectives at the beginning of class. Right. Right. And you don't want to go on some long soliloquy, but you want to tell people, here's, here's, here's something we have to understand about education. It's much easier to learn something if we know what we're trying to learn. Mm -hmm. It's much easier to prioritize if we know what the priorities are. And yoga is actually really complicated. It's nuanced. It's layered. And as experienced teachers, we forget this. We forget how much distance there is between our understanding and a new student's understanding. And we presume too much information. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to always tell my students of any level, but especially at beginning level, if I have a technique or a pose or a set of focal points that I want to work with for a month or so, I'm going to tell my students at the beginning of class. All right, you guys, as always, we're going to have an all around balanced practice and we're going to have a couple focal points that I want you to pay extra special attention to so that you can develop your skill more effectively and more quickly. Mm -hmm. This month, we're going to focus a little bit more on outer hip strength. Of course, we're going to focus on everything, but we're going to focus more on outer hip strength in order to create outer hip strength. We have to press the leg out against resistance. Here's an example. I'll show side angle pose with my hand on a block on the outside of the leg and say, look, right now I am pressing that leg out against the arm. And what that's doing is that's engaging the muscles that exist on the outside of my hip. And having outer hip strength is really important in your body, but also really important in yoga. So keep in mind that we're going to have those as focal points. So really tune in that. I want you to get that lesson today. Boom. Okay. Right. So I'm always going to, I'm always going to pick out a thing or two mm -hmm. because I want students like, I've, I've been thinking about this for years as a, as someone that teaches workshops. When I teach a workshop, I want students that have a good two and a half hours, but I also want them to learn some things and to have some takeaways that mm -hmm. they can work on. Well, I feel that way about all of my classes. Right. I don't want to be overly technical. I don't want to be too workshoppy. I don't want to be too heady, but I want my students to feel like they've learned something because that's how I am as a student mm -hmm. of anything that I do. Like I like learning, 
right? And that that really informs a big part of who I am as a teacher is I really enjoy learning and I believe that I can learn things. Mm -hmm. So if I'm going to invest my time in a class, I want to have a good experience, but I also, I want to make sure that I have some stuff to, to feed me, right? Right. Well, and it kind of, that, that kind of helps me understand the consistency and repetition point too. Like when you first brought it up, I thought, does he mean, you know, take one instruction and, you know, repeat it in triangle pose and then side angle pose and then, oh, but it sounds like- No, he, I mean consistency and sequence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And also it sounds like you come up, there's, there's a teaching concept and totally. so that concept gets repeated yeah. throughout yeah. that particular class. And a lot of people will call this theming, right? I, I, I have like kind of a weird hang up around that particular phrase. That's my own weird hang up. There's no, there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Yeah. But the point I want to make is there's many different ways of theming things. And if you are going to use the word theme, like, I don't think it should just be a philosophical or spiritual or esoteric theme. I think it should also contain technical insight themes, right? right? So I always think about when I'm teaching in class, I always think about what are the regions I want to focus on? What are the techniques and the asanas I want to focus on? And then what's the mental psychological or emotional or spiritual component that I want to focus on. So those are all, I, I think in terms of foci instead of themes, because they just sort of scatter those about. Right. Okay. But, and when it comes to consistency, I think part of it is like, you know, in working with new students, I always do four to six half salutations. I always do four to six simple lunge salutations. I always do locust pose and cobra pose i rarely do chaturanga i always teach warrior two triangle side angle i always teach high lunge revolved side angle with a back heel right it was just like to just have a consistent body of work in a consistent order so that students aren't lost from moment to moment yeah. but they can but they can start to go from the gross Start to be a little bit more comfortable and a little bit more refined in the poses. Yeah, it's very soothing to the nervous system. Totally. It's very soothing to the mind to have that that kind of structural repetition. Exactly. I mean, that's yeah. So a couple sense. other principles to focus on asana wise as the teacher, which is to use the simplest, most direct, least jargon filled language that we can. So give me an example of jargon. Uh, the the eyes of the elbow. The eyes of the elbow. Okay. The eyes of the elbow. How about the... It's just the elbow crease. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But even like, even anatomical languages has some jargon, mm -hmm. right? Like I could tell all my students to press the distal head of their first metatarsal into the floor, mm -hmm. but that's jargon when instead I could just tell you to press the base of your big toe into the floor. Mm-hmm. I'm not giving you more information if I say the eyes of the elbow mm -hmm. or the distal head of the first metatarsal. There's not more information than if I say the elbow crease or the base of the big toe. Yeah. It's just mass, it, it's masquerading as if it's more. What about like something like the armpit chest? Does that bother you? The only counterpoint I'll make say to the that. the front of the armpits. But the only counterpoint I'll make to that is that's an example. And so that's an example for my Yangar yoga. Yeah, I know. And so that's an example of 
giving people who might, I don't know. It's, I, it, Look, it's I think, I think that. Metaphorical. Yes. It's metaphorical. Okay. So, but it's not metaphorical. So here's the thing, right? Here's the thing, right? Which is like, if it's a metaphor, it's got to be a metaphor, right? And so, so can we use really lively, descriptive, um, esoteric, inspiring, inspiring language? Totally. And also try to be straight up. So I can also say, or, or clarify or right. say or say think, it more I than one way, right? The important thing for the beginner is that yes, because we're talking about beginners, right? Yeah. So if you're like, if you're like the eyes of the elbow crease, it's me like what? Yeah, I don't even know what an elbow is, you know. So or if you're like the eyes of the elbow crease, which is what we call the elbow crease, right? right? Or I'll give you an example, right? Which is. There's no other way of like I can say say anterior superior iliac spine, or I can say hip point, or I can say the bony bumps on the front rim of the hip mm -hmm. up there, feel them. There's no other way to say sacrum than sacrum. Mm -hmm. Okay, so when you're dealing with something, or if you are a yoga teacher and you really want to teach anatomy, that's totally fine. Then teach it, right? I'll give you an example. So sacrum. There's no like popular cultural way of me saying sacrum. There's only like there's no common parlance for sacrum. So what I'm gonna say is sacrum. That's the tr downward facing triangular bone at the base of the spine between your two hip bones, between your two buttock bones, mm -hmm. just above your tailbone. So I'm gonna say the thing. But if it's not something that I assume people understand, you'll explain. Then I try is. to explain that thing, mm -hmm. and it can be the same thing with the bandhas. I teach the bandhas all the time, but I don't just say do mula bandha mm -hmm. because, right? Because okay. I, especially with beginners, so just be very, very clear about your yes. language and conscious yes. of your language. Yeah, and I kind of think about it like if you can't write it down in a simple way, you actually don't know it as well as you think you know it. Right. It's just the truth. And I'm speaking for myself. Mm -hmm. If I can't write something down or say it in simple term, then I actually don't really know what I'm saying. And I need to not There's say There's not that, enough clarity around it. There's not enough clarity yes. around it. Yeah, it's the same thing with actually writing a story. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say one more thing on asana and then we can move on from there. Okay. Right. And the thing I want to say about asana is that you don't want to try to teach everything to everyone in every pose in every class. Okay. So I was saying earlier that when I teach more advanced levels, I'm not going to tell my students the basic things to do in down dog. Right. If I'm teaching an advanced class, I'm not going to be like, align your wrist with the front of the mat and align the outside of the feet so they're parallel to each other and engage your core and engage your thought. It's a, this is advanced class, right? I'm going to pick a thing or two that is a higher level, more detailed element that is relevant to the focus that we're having at hand, right? But with beginners, you can't really do that because with beginners, you need kind of a, a broader field to get people safely and reasonably aligned in poses. But you can't fall into the trap of thinking, okay, they're doing warrior two. 
I need to make sure I tell them everything there is to, to figure out about Warrior Two. Right. Which means as the instructor, you have to spend a little bit of time sorting out what do you think is the most important thing to teach your new students in Warrior Two. Now, in my program or course on Glow, that's all about beginners, we do this. Every single pose that is in my beginner's syllabus, we break down and I give you the teaching points for everything in that whole family that I teach, okay? But for new students, you can't, you have to give them enough information to get into the general shape and be reasonable and safe, mm -hmm. but you can't expect them to learn everything. So don't try. Yeah, kind of take it easy on yourself. Yeah. And that, it, it takes a bit of a burden off of yourself. Yes. Don't what? try to teach them everything. Right. Teach them a couple of good things. And then be consistent enough, be a good enough host, and be clear enough with your learning objectives that students are motivated to return. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. So this is great. And I want to actually keep these, this series kind of very tightly focused. Yeah. So I'm going to say, why don't we, we talked in the beginning of the podcast that you're going to talk about the most important um, concepts for teaching philosophy effectively to beginners and how to keep beginners motivated. Yeah. I think we should table those for the next podcast. Okay. And, and who's, if we have a lot of podcasts this month, we'll just publish more Unusual. We'll just yeah, see how it let's goes. do it. This is just again. This is such an important time for students, and it's such an important time for teachers to engage new students. Yeah, and you don't want to be overwhelmed with all of the new students in class. You want to take these as opportunities, and you also want to. I know as a yoga teacher, there's been several times over the years where I've wanted to make a change in my teaching. You know, I've wanted to be better at something or more focused at something or there's been I've wanted to teach philosophy differently or integrate philosophy or so even as a teacher it's kind of a, a perfect opportunity to step back to check our own selves and our own process and say am I doing this job as well as I can be doing this job so that I can be as satisfied as I can be right and this is just the time for us to really uh, as teachers to to refine how we're doing what we're doing, to be intentional about how we're doing what we're doing, and to work with all sorts of students who are brand new and all sorts of students who are coming back into the fold. Yeah. Yeah. And so this uh, beginner's program that's on GLOW, is it available yet? The course is oh, going course. to... Yeah, 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 it's a purchase. They have different yeah, yeah, yeah. names for things, yeah. yes. Uh, it's like my other teacher trainings with them. Yes. I have an anatomy, a sequencing, and aren't teaching arm balances and inversions, right? And this is the one I'm probably most excited about. It is going to be available in the middle of January. Okay. I think somewhere, I think around January 14th, but it could be a, a day or two after. Okay. So if you're interested in the course, go to our homepage and subscribe to our newsletter. Oh, no, yeah. via our newsletter when it's Super available. awesome. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Jason. Bye-bye.
Thanks as always for listening. Jason reminded me as soon as I turned off the recording that I could just, instead of giving you all these separate places to go to sign up for our newsletter or look for the program or look for Jason's program, you could just go to the show notes. So I will put show notes at yogalandpodcast.com slash episode 135. And you can find all of the different things that we refer to in this episode. Okay, guys, get out there and do your practice. Do all of the things that make you feel good. And until next week, enjoy it all. Mm